pediatric pneumonia outbreaks hit U.S. states, while similar outbreaks overwhelm hospitals in China. Are the outbreaks connected? The White House enhancing a host of supply chains, looking to cut China reliance on EVs, agriculture and medicine. Montana's first-in-the-nation TikTok ban blocked by a federal judge. Why didn't the rule stick? And despite the strike down, is the social media platform really safe? A look at fresh testimony from Capitol Hill on TikTok and its risks. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A surge in child illness cases hitting the U.S. That's as pediatric pneumonia outbreaks rip through China, overwhelming hospitals across the country. The hotspots here in the U.S., Ohio and Massachusetts. The Buckeye State recording over 140 cases in one county. No deaths have been reported. Massachusetts also saw a large uptick in child pneumonia cases. Is the outbreak linked to China? Ohio's Warren County saying so far there's no evidence that the local outbreak is connected to other international outbreaks. Officials also don't believe a new virus is behind the recent spike, adding it's common for respiratory illnesses to spread during this time of year. Ohio is further investigating the cause. Physicians in western Massachusetts believe it's RSV that's driving the outbreak in the state. RSV is a respiratory virus that kills over 10,000 Americans per year. Outside the U.S., Denmark, Sweden and Switzerland are also grappling with surges in pneumonia cases. The outbreak is putting lawmakers on high alert. Five Republican lawmakers urging the Biden administration to impose travel bans. Leading lawmaker Senator Marco Rubio saying Washington should immediately restrict travel between the U.S. and China. In contrast, Taiwan authorities are putting airports on watch, advising the elderly, young and those with poor immunity to avoid going to China. Meanwhile, Chinese authorities remain opaque about the surge. Officials told the World Health Organization that the surge in pneumonia cases isn't overwhelming hospitals. But citizens across China are telling NTD a different story. It takes forever to get a doctor's appointment. Staff and other departments went to support the pediatric department. Many patients just sit on stools in the hallway for three or four days until it's their turn to visit the pediatrician's office. Hospitals are overflowing. Emergency care can only give you prescriptions with enough medication for one day. After that, you have to get in line again for eight, nine or even 12 hours. Chinese officials also changed their narrative about what's driving the outbreak. Authorities at first said it was mycoplasma pneumonia, later blaming it on multiple viruses. But a virologist told NTD that a new COVID-19 variant could also be a possibility. Some patients' blood oxygen levels have dropped to 90 percent once they do check-ins at the hospital. This is very typical of COVID-19 infections. She said mycoplasma and other bacteria or viruses wouldn't be enough to launch such a quick spread across the country, but that COVID-19 could. Ultimately, data is needed to determine what's driving the outbreak. Beijing is keeping information from inside the country quiet. The White House is looking to shore up resources. Biden announced the launch of a supply chain resilience council Monday. With the launch of a new council on supply chain resilience. I'm charging this group to ensure that our supply chains remain secure, diversified, resilient, and, do all, and into the future.
the latest move seeks to enhance American supply chains based on guidance issued Friday. It will curb electric car imports containing Chinese components like EV batteries. Under the new rule, auto buyers hoping to claim the full federal tax credit could receive up to $7,500. But they won't get the money if the cars they're buying are made with parts from foreign entities of concern. On top of China, that means North Korea, Russia and Iran. The rule kicks off next month and aims to stabilize supply chains by cutting reliance on China. In the meantime, U.S. automakers are racing to fortify their own battery production plants. Worth noting, EVs are a hot topic on Biden's re-election platform. He's pushing for more electric cars on American roads to help achieve his climate ambitions. The main goal to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. Beyond automaking, medicine and agriculture are on Biden's radar, too. The president invoked the Cold War era Defense Production Act earlier this week to spur manufacturing investment for medical supplies. China has been a main source for medical manufacturing due to low production costs. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. purchased both medicines and face masks from the country. What's more, the White House is also looking to strengthen food supply chains. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing nearly $200 million to widen markets for farmers and reduce food costs for consumers. The federal government is channeling the aid into six programs overseeing around 200 projects across the U.S. Montana's first-in-the-nation ban on TikTok was blocked on Thursday. A U.S. district judge says it's unconstitutional and oversteps state power. Under the law, the China-owned app would be outlawed from operating within state lines, with potential fines of $10,000 per day. Montana's governor signed it into law in May, saying it was necessary to protect Montana's residents' data from the Chinese Communist Party. A TikTok spokesman said the company was pleased that the judge, quote, rejected this unconstitutional law. The ban was set to take effect on January 1st. More than half of U.S. states and the federal government have banned TikTok on official devices. Debate over the Chinese Communist Party's rising threat taking center stage in Washington. Lawmakers heard new testimony on Capitol Hill about U.S.'s interests they say are under attack. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the highlights. The Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party Chairman Mike Gallagher warned about TikTok becoming a primary news source for younger generations, with their worldviews potentially being shaped by the CCP. It would be as if in 1962 at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis we allowed Pravda and the KGB to purchase the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC and NBC, and that probably understates the scope, uh, the scope, the scope of the problem. Gallagher says there's clear evidence that parent company ByteDance has done the Communist Party's bidding. He discussed how the CCP forced ByteDance to shut down its news platform because it went against its core socialist values. And in a groveling self-criticism, the founder of ByteDance apologized for failing to respect socialist core values and deviating from public opinion guidance and failing to realize that socialist core values are the prerequisite to technology. Following this, ByteDance announced a new strategy to hire 4,000 extra censors and integrate socialist core values into its technology. Representative Seth Moulton also touched on the online threat of the CCP. But today, China is attacking our businesses, our citizens, our kids through the internet, internet every single day. 
Former State Department official Miles Yu says the CCP is strongly influencing Chinese citizens abroad through buying major media outlets. Hundreds of TV stations, newspapers, magazines overseas outside of China, uh, almost all of them are now bought by the Chinese Communist Party. There's a recent study uh, indicated that the, the only network that is not really com uh, controlled by the Chinese Communist Party is the Falun Gong-related media uh, outlets. Congresswoman Michelle Steele highlighted the problem with universities taking CCP money. UC Berkeley received $220 million from CCP, never reported. Miles Yu also touched on what he views as the corrupt relationship of prestigious universities like Harvard with the CCP. They conduct a survey on behalf of the Chinese government uh, to prove that 93% of Chinese people support the Chinese Communist Party. So use Harvard's prestige to support the Chinese propaganda. Yu says Harvard didn't even do their own research. Instead, subcontracting a Chinese company in Beijing to do it. Yu discusses what the CCP most fears about America. It doesn't matter which party is in charge. Democrats or Republicans is not a policy per se. It's the very existence of the United States that could inspire Chinese people. Uh, that's what they fear about most. Testimony was also heard on the CCP's infiltration of sensitive infrastructure. For all the ports, same thing too. They're controlling our uh, cranes and they're controlling data tracking systems. While Congressman Gallagher is calling on the Biden administration to investigate the Chinese drone company Autel Robotics, Gallagher says Autel is openly affiliated with the People's Liberation Army. The congressman says law enforcement and state and local governments are purchasing and operating Autel drones, potentially exposing sensitive data across the country. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un calling for the nation's military readiness against enemies. That's as the U.S. slaps new sanctions on Pyongyang following its spy satellite launch last week. Here's more. Photographs released by the KCNA news agency showed Kim visiting the Air Force headquarters on Thursday. It said he also wrote out operational strategic guidelines to improve the military's readiness and war capabilities. On Thursday, the U.S. unveiled new sanctions targeting foreign-based agents it accused of helping Pyongyang evade other sanctions. Their U.S. assets will be frozen and Americans barred from dealing with them. In a statement, the U.S. Treasury Department said the joint efforts with Australia, Japan and South Korea, quote, reflect our collective commitment to contesting Pyongyang's illicit and destabilizing activities. The Treasury also sanctioned cyber espionage group Kim Suki, accusing it of gathering intelligence to support the North's strategic and nuclear ambitions. Meanwhile, Seoul said on Friday it had blacklisted 11 North Koreans for the involvement in their country's satellite and missile development, banning them from any financial transactions. The disingenuous DPRK claim. Earlier this week, U.S. and North Korean diplomats had a rare direct public exchange at a U.N. Security Council meeting, with both arguing their country's military activities are defensive. North Korea's U.N. mission in New York did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the latest sanctions. 
Shifting gears, next we have a round of updates from Asia and Oceania, tensions in the South China Sea. The Philippines opened a new Coast Guard monitoring base Friday on an island in the South China Sea. That's to watch Chinese vessels in the contested waters. Face-offs between Chinese and Philippine ships have intensified this year. At the new base's opening ceremony, a Philippine official called the actions of Chinese ships, quote, pure bullying. The Philippines decided this year to allow an expansion of the U.S. military presence in the country. It also recently launched joint sea and air patrols with the U.S. and Australia. A new era for Taiwan's air defense. The Taiwanese Air Force is saying goodbye to one of its oldest fighter jets, American-made F-5s, also known as Tigers. Replacing the aircraft are new domestically-made advanced jet trainers. Because the jets are locally made, Taiwan can both cut costs and grow its domestic defense industry. Taiwan's Air Force is under immense pressure as it scrambles regularly to intercept Chinese warplanes flying near the country. But that's not all. An exclusive report from Reuters says the Chinese regime is sponsoring cheap trips to China for hundreds of Taiwanese politicians ahead of key elections. China is reportedly attempting to sway voters toward candidates seeking closer ties with the regime. Taiwanese law forbids election campaigns from receiving funds from external hostile forces, such as China. Prosecutors this week are investigating 22 people in connection with the interference. China said Thursday it has started to review its tariffs on Australian wine. Beijing imposed sanctions on Australian wine, barley and coal in 2020. That says their ties soured over Canberra's push for an independent COVID-19 origin probe. The visit of Australia's Prime Minister Anthony Albanese earlier this month marked the resumption of an annual leaders meeting after a four-year hiatus. China has been a major market for Australia in a range of goods, including coal, wine, beef, barley and lobster. How important is the Arctic to U.S. security? The House Homeland Security Committee is holding a hearing to delve into the issue. Watch. We all know, and you mentioned it, Mr. Chairman, we are in a new era of authoritarian aggression led by the dictators Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. They are running hostile regimes that seek to control access to the Arctic region and, importantly, and dangerously, are increasingly working together in the Arctic. Alaska's proximity to both Russia and China requires that my state play a vital role in securing America's interests in the Arctic. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska was one of the witnesses who testified. He stressed the vital importance of his state to U.S. homeland security in the Arctic. The senator compared the strength of Russian and Chinese forces in the region to that of the U.S. He also highlighted recent joint military activities by China and Russia near Alaska. Sullivan called for more funding for Alaska's defense infrastructure and urged Congress to take seriously the role that his state plays in defending the Arctic. Next headlines from across the pond. The UK is next in line to lose its only giant panda bears. The pair will soon depart from Edinburgh Zoo after calling Scotland's capital home for the past 12 years. The bamboo-loving bears are considered a type of soft diplomacy for Beijing. The Chinese regime keeps custody of the animals, loaning them out as rewards and withholding them as punishment. Washington's National Zoo returned its three pandas last month after Beijing stayed quiet on attempts to renew the contract. 
San Diego and Memphis, Tennessee waved similar farewells. Atlanta is the last American zoo still caring for the creatures through next year. Beijing is believed to be pulling pandas home amid rising tensions with the West. The leader Xi Jinping noted China was ready to continue loaning the bears to the U.S. during his recent visit to California. On the science front, British lawmakers are calling on the country's top data regulator to launch a new investigation. According to letters, they're concerned about Chinese genetics company BGI. That's after reports accused the company of using it to research population traits alongside the Chinese military. Washington already blacklisted BGI over human rights allegations that it helped Beijing surveil minority groups. Based on a letter, Britain's regulator says there isn't enough evidence to investigate. Coming up, a battle over green energy. Starting next year, the U.S. Treasury Department will restrict tax incentives for American electric battery plants. That's if their products contain certain components from China or any other, quote, foreign entity of concern. But some critical minerals will be exempt from the new rule. Will the action help secure the critical EV supply chain at home? To discuss, we sit down with Kelly Sloan, Senior Fellow in Energy and Environment at the Centennial Institute. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A new rule is out for U.S. automakers. Starting next year, the Biden administration will restrict tax incentives from certain electric battery manufacturers. That's if their products contain components from China or other hostile nations. But among the materials covered, certain critical minerals are exempt from the rule. Will this new guideline help Washington cut dependence? Joining us to discuss is Kelly Sloan, Senior Fellow in Energy and Environment at the Centennial Institute. Kelly Sloan, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. Kelly, the Biden administration is issuing new EV guidelines that would limit Chinese content in batteries. Those are eligible for tax credits. These would kick in next year. How do you read this move? Will it reduce dependence on China and can the U.S. sustain its supply? Well, not entirely. The administration has got itself in a little bit of a pickle here uh, economically as two competing economic agendas. On the one hand, it wants to increase EV usage in, in America uh, domestically, wants more consumers to buy EVs uh, and kind of do that artificially and kind of artificially manipulate that market. On the other hand, it does want to limit China's economic influence in, in the United States. Now it's finding out it can't do both those things at the same time. So uh, you know, we can't have it both ways now. So what it's doing with these new rules is trying to have it both ways. On the one hand, it is trying to limit uh, you know, how, how many Chinese components can be, can qualify to uh, in in vehicles and batteries to qualify for those credits. But on the other hand, it did ex- uh, extend for a couple of years. It made ex- exemptions for some of the critical uh, critical minerals that mostly come from China. So that EV manufacturers can still make those batteries and still qualify for the uh, for the tax credits. Now, to one of your points, Chairman of the House Select Committee on the CCP, Mike Gallagher, is saying that the Treasury's new EV guidelines is actually going to increase our dependence on communist China. He's pointing to China's massive subsidies and that the U.S. should instead be boosting its own crucial supply chains. How do you read his comments here? Oh, I think it's absolutely correct. I mean, one of the reasons the administration is in this pickle is because instead of 
you know, working over the last uh, several years to, you know, try and uh, you know, expand or diversify our supply chain, uh, you know, by uh, you know seeking new free trade agreements with other free nations, uh, and you know, trying to isolate China that way. Uh, you know, we've been more focused on some of these domestic policies of trying to force a market for EVs before it's entirely ready. Uh, I do think he, he, he has a point that it could in, increase our dependence on, on China, even with, with the new rules, partly because of those exemptions that are put into it for the, uh, for the critical minerals. Uh, and partly just because, as I said earlier, right now with the, you know, the way that our supply chains globally are in place, you know, how, how they're uh, currently structured, we cannot divorce EV manufacture from uh, from China, uh, you know, China's economy. Uh, so the more that we try and you know, uh, increase or distort the market in the U.S. to uh, provide for more EV EV usage, you're going to naturally get uh, one way or the other. Uh, China is going to going to benefit now, whether it's going to be directly or indirectly. I think that's what the administration is trying to do here: is trying to make it a little bit harder for uh, Chinese companies to benefit from uh, EV tax credits in, in the U.S. But I still think uh, that that's ultimately going to happen because that is where uh, a lot of the raw materials for what you need for the EVs comes from. Given that, what is the solution here? Is it building up that domestic supply, friendshoring? How do we solve this? Well, I think the generally my my answer to most things is a, that the free market has has an answer to that. Uh, we can certainly try to shore up our own uh, uh, our own supply domestically uh, in terms of uh, rare earth minerals, uh, certainly some permitting reforms on on public land where a lot of these uh, minerals are located, especially in my home state of Colorado, you know, loosening up some of the some of the uh, uh, permitting and uh, some of the kind of egregious environmental regulations that we've put in place on mining and resource extraction over the last few years to allow for domestic production of some of these would certainly help in that regard. And again, pursuing uh, free trade free trade agreements uh, around, around the world to try and find alternative sources. Kelly Sloan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus.ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.